I'm going to ask you a question. You don't need to answer out loud, but you could raise a hand if it applies to you. How many of you grew up going to church? Raise your hand. All right, yeah. I'd say maybe half of you online, hand raise emoji. Did you grow up going to church? I did. And uh, let's acknowledge something. The only church that you've known if you grew up in a church is the church that you grew up in, right? That's all you knew at one point. But let's also acknowledge this. There are different expressions of the local church, right? I mean, there is one, you could go to one extreme, which is very charismatic, maybe very like uh, people running through the aisles, people waving flags, people shouting back and forth. There's this extreme, or you could go over here and then there's the more stoic, the more you sit, right? You, you, you maybe will stand and maybe kneel if you get crazy, right? That's what I grew up in, that more of an environment. But you ain't, you ain't running, you ain't shouting, okay? If you are, your mom is reaching over and crack because that doesn't happen in this environment. And that's, so that's what I knew is the very conservative, uh, you know, yeah, some of you, you know what I'm talking about. So imagine my surprise when I saw something that wasn't that. It, it wasn't, some, it, it was something that I saw on the television. I think it was my first exposure to a televangelist. And uh, this guy spoke in a way that I'd never heard anybody speak before. Um, he he looked like somebody I never knew anybody looked like before. Uh, big hair. I don't know if this is a requirement for every televangelist, but this guy had a lot of hair, and uh, he was really tan. Like, I, some of you, you sleep in a queen-size bed. He sleeps in a tanning bed. I, I, I'm convinced of it. This guy was tan. But, but it wasn't so much how he looked. It was how he spoke. Like, anytime you can take a three-letter word like God and turn it into seven syllables, that's impressive. Like, I don't, I don't remember what he's preaching about, but it was like... And Father God, I thought maybe he was having a seizure, but I almost had one watching him. The record was stuck. I was like, man. And he, it was like, that's how he spoke. Jesus and the Holy Ghost. And that's what he said, the Holy Ghost. I'd never heard that term before, before Holy Ghost. Now we know today that he's referring to the Holy Spirit, but I thought to myself, that, that is a strange term, Holy Ghost. And it brings us to where we're at today, a new series called Ghost Stories, and we're talking about the spiritual side of things, and I'll tell you that I think when it comes to spirituality, there's people that will, will overemphasize it, like everything is spiritual, everything, no matter what happens in their life, it's all a spirit, it's all like, oh my gosh, I saw this commercial last night, and there was this, this lizard talking on the commercial, and I know it's, I know that's in Revelation somewhere, and I'm like, actually, that was just a Geico commercial, okay, and you could actually save 15% on your insurance, so you should check it out, I mean, no, there's nothing prophetic about it, or, or the other extreme is under-emphasizing the spirit, and I would, I would say this is more where people are at, like, again, the church I grew up in, we would talk about God and we would talk about Jesus, but I didn't hear a lot about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. I didn't hear a ton about it, but yet here's what I know. The Spirit of God is all over Scripture. Like, did you know that the Spirit of God is talked about, I think, more than 800 times in the Word of God? Starting in the very second verse. I'll put it up for you can see it. Genesis, you know the first book of the Bible. In the second verse, the earth formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. In this series, Ghost Stories, we are going to talk about that Spirit. 
we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And I wrote this down. I said, my prayer for you and what it's been is you're going to see the value and the necessity of the Holy Spirit in you. Like, you're going to see it in a whole different light. I believe it with all my heart. So the setting we have today is the Last Supper. The Last Supper is the last meal that Jesus had with his 12 friends before he went to accomplish what he came to do. So at that Last Supper, Jesus said something. He said a few things that were a little bit off, you know, according to what they thought. Listen to what he said. I'm going to start in John 14. I think it's, yeah, John 14, this is the 15th verse. Now remember, they're at the Last Supper. That's the setting. Jesus says this to them. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now I'm going to pause right there. (laughs) If we just did that, I mean, you take away the whole entire word of God and just pull that one sentence apart, the world would change. Anywho, if you love me, Obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, who is God, Jesus, also God. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, say advocate, or another word for that is counselor, who will never leave you. I love teaching you Greek. You know it makes me feel smart when I do it. So say say paraclete. Paraclete or parakletos. This is the Greek term for advocate or counselor. Or Holy Spirit, because that's what they're referring to. Paraclete means advocate, intercessor, counselor, or helper. It, it, it literally, like, like the word para, it literally means to walk alongside, right? Like a, a, a paralegal it wa- walks alongside a lawyer to help them. A parachurch organization, say like Youth for Christ, right? They walk alongside, they're not the church, but they'll walk alongside the church to walk with the church. A parachute, right? Now, if you jump out of a perfectly good airplane, you want a parachute alongside you, right? Because if you don't, you're, you're parascrewed, is what I'd say. I mean, you splat. Anyway, so um, has anybody ever jumped out of an airplane to, to skydive? Anybody? A few of you have. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm praying about it. I, I just pray for me. I don't know. A little scared. So para means to walk alongside. Clete uh, or kletos literally means uh, called. It means called. So put it together. Called to come alongside. Called to come alongside. Parakletos. Let's keep going. Verse 15. We're still at the Last Supper. Jesus continues. He is the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him. Now he's talking about unbelievers. The world, that's when they refer to the world in the word of God, that's what they're talking about. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you, you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I don't know if you caught it in those two verses. I used the word him or he six times. Or Jesus used it actually. I just kind of read it to you, but he said it. Six times. What did we just learn? I mean, we're five minutes into the message. You just learned something. The Holy Spirit isn't an it. The Holy Spirit isn't some entity, some orb floating. The Holy Spirit is a person. That The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God in spirit form. He's so necessary, and we're going to look at that together. So Jesus is showing them that that, that the Holy Spirit is, is... Even though he's not tangible, he is a he. He is a person. But yet, here's what I contend. I contend if you and I had a choice between, like, the Holy Spirit 
or I had to bring our own personal Jesus back. You missed him if you saw him before. This is Jesus. Little Jesus, I call him. Anyway, so Jesus, if we had our choice between physical Jesus with us or the Holy Spirit with us, most of us, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, physical Jesus hanging out with you would be pretty cool, right? He could do things for you. Like, tragedy happens. You got him right there at your, I mean, Jesus, I know what you did in the Word of God. So say my, say, say my dog Rudy, for example. He, he, my dog Rudy's attracted to car tires that are moving. That's not good. You need to pray for Rudy, okay? And, but say something, Ava, Jake, cover your ears because this could make you cry. Say something happened to Rudy. Say Rudy got hit by a car. Okay? And Rudy's down. Or say it's your dog. And your dog is down. He's in the street. You want a Holy Spirit coming? Or do you want Jesus coming? Because Jesus looked at the dog. He'd be like, okay. I can see that you're hurting. And your dog is down. And you could speak the words, Jesus. I've heard you say it. You'd say, you'd say, stand up. Pick up your bone and walk. And the dog would stand up and pick up his bone. And he would walk. Because that's what Jesus does. It's the same thing with your cat. If your cat were to wander out in the street and get hit by a car, Jesus would look at the cat and he'd say, He'd say, Jesus would say, I could do the funeral. That's right what Jesus would say. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's, anyway, so I love cats. I just don't love them around me. So um, we would probably pick Jesus. I, I would. I mean, it, it, I'm just being honest with you. But, but here's what Jesus said. This is from the words of Jesus, by the way. John 16. But in fact, it's best for you that I... Go away. Jesus says, it's best that I leave. Jesus, you're Jesus. Okay, <laughs> you are Jesus. You are like the son of God. It's best that you leave. Jesus said, it's best that I go. It's best that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the paracletos, right? That, that counselor, that helper, that Holy Ghost won't come. If I do go away though, I'll send him to you. Jesus literally just said to you and I, it's better that I leave because then I can send, then I can send, I mean, he just told them it's better for you. Like, do we believe Jesus? Do, do we? I mean, because it's easy to hear Jesus say those things, but do we believe it? Like, I, I guess another question would be, do we, I mean, do we have that spirit? When I, when I was growing up in high school, and maybe you, your, your cheerleaders led you in this cheer as well. But we'd be watching. We'd be at a, at a home game, and the cheerleaders would be, like, leading a cheer. And one of the cheers was, we got the spirit. Yes, we do. We got the spirit. How about you? And then we'd point to the opposing team, and they would hear us yell that, and then their cheerleaders would lead them. We got the spirit. Yes, we do. We got the spirit. How about you? And we'd be like, we just told you we had the spirit. Don't be asking us that. But, I mean, I, so do you have the spirit? Do you have the spirit? Are you living a spirit-filled life? Don't answer out loud, but do answer. It's crucial. Are you living a spirit-filled life or a spirit-less life? You should, uh, you should celebrate something with me. Last weekend, we saw 30 people get baptized in our church, which is absolute biggest one we've ever had. <laughs> biggest baptism. You know, you know what they're declaring? They were declaring that they're spirit-filled. That's what they were doing. In fact, the shirts, their shirts that they wear, some say belong because you're declaring you belong to God's family. You belong to a church family. Others of the shirts say everything is different now. Because why? Well, because, yeah, with the spirit in you, shouldn't everything be different? 
Like if you, I'm just going to be candid. If you have a living God inside of you, like if that's a fact and that's what happens when we are saved, that we're spirit filled. Question, shouldn't our life look much, much different than somebody who doesn't have that same spirit? It, 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 it should actually. If someone doesn't have the Holy Spirit living in them, our life should look different. We have a living God inside of us and they don't. It, our life should reflect it. But yet I can't get around this question. If that's true, then why is there sometimes, maybe many times, that we can't tell the difference? So, so the title of today's message, and I need you to tell it to two people around you, ask them a question. Ask them, is everything different now? Ask them, is it really? Is everything different? Are you typing that in comments online? I'll wait till you do. I don't hear any clicking. Is everything different now? If you're a believer of Jesus, and you're a, you're a follower of Jesus, and you would say, uh, Pastor Monty, I'm spirit-filled. I got the Holy Ghost inside of me. I'm asking you a question. Is everything different? Is everything different? So, because you should expect it. I, uh, I have somebody walking alongside me right now. I have an advocate. I have a, a helper. I have someone who is, is helping me, counseling me. And I call him my golf teacher. Okay? Now here, pray for me. Okay? I kid you not. So I, I knew this guy for 10 minutes, had one lesson, and, and I swung my club. And I emailed this to some of you. I swung my club, and I shanked the ball, barely hit it. And I'm like, gosh darn it, my hands weren't quite. I said, what did I do wrong there? He looked at me, and he said, everything. Everything. I'm like, what am I paying you for to ridicule me? I mean, he's literally, but anyway, so, and uh, this is a side note. Golf, by the way, like hell is a very real place, but what I'm about to, <laughs> I believe golf, it does somehow exist in hell. It's got to. Like, and if you're thinking, oh my gosh, that would be great because, because, you know, I love golf and I'm a great golfer and I always hit the fairway. Okay, first of all, I hate you. Okay, anyway, so secondly, if you enjoy golf, you're not enjoying it in hell. I'll guarantee you that. Because if you hit the fairway in hell, here's what I believe happens. I believe a little golf ball demon, he's like this high, he runs out in the fairway like this, and he grabs your ball while he laughs maniacally, and he grabs it, and he takes it into the deepest, darkest weeds he can find, and he throws it down, and he does this to it. That's what that demon does to your ball. There. Oh, I'm not done either. If you, if you do somehow get that ball on the, on the green and you're putting it, and it goes in the hole, there's another golf ball demon in the hole. So when your ball goes in there, he pops it back out. You, you can never win the hole. I mean, that's hell. I mean, that's my real life, but that's hell. So anyway, that's a side note. There's nothing biblical about that besides hell's real. Um, golf, why do I do this? So here's what I'm expecting, though, with this guy. My, my, my paracletos walking with me. After I hang out with this guy for a while, and he gives me some instructions. He gives me some lessons. He gives me a word. After I hear that and I start listening to what he says, my golf game better change. I told him too. I said, if it doesn't, these clubs are going in the Platte River. I don't care. They will. So pray for that. But, but I'm expecting change because I have somebody walking alongside me. The holy, you, shouldn't we expect our lives to look different? But yet, here's what I would contend, and I'm going to be bold about this because this is my heart, because this was me. I think if many people woke up tomorrow and the Holy Spirit was not in them, they wouldn't know the difference. 
So, and the reason I can say that is because, because that was me. I, I, here's what I wrote and I, as I thought about my life. Because I grew up going to church. I, I, I grew up, you know, I, trying to do the right thing but not doing it. This was me. I was still imprisoned to the same sin as my non-believing friends. So if the Holy Spirit lives in me, why would that be the case? I could see maybe right away. I mean, there's a process, right? But I'm talking after years. I'm still in prison to the same sin they are. I'm still living the way they are. I'm still talking the way they talk. I'm still acting the way they act. Why? Something's amiss. I have a living God in me, and they don't, and we're still, you, if you put us side by side in a lineup, you can't, you can't tell. Who's got the Holy Spirit? Who does? I don't know. I can't tell. I mean, the rap sheet looks the same. I don't know, right? I, my life looked like the world. So I want to answer this question. Why are people today living a spiritless life? Why are they? Many people are. And these are going to be kind of heavy hitters, but they have to be. There's nothing more important than this in our lives. And the first, the first answer is probably going to seem obvious. Why are people today living a spiritless life? Number one, because the Holy Spirit isn't in them. Because they're spiritless. There's, it's not a trick question. Because the Holy Spirit isn't in them. A battery cannot put out what a battery does not have. And it isn't because your pastor said it. It's because the Word of God says it. You know what the Word of God says? Test your faith. Examine your faith to make sure it's genuine. What? So if there's a, if there's a genuine faith, that must mean there's a fake faith. A false faith. A pseudo-faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. This is written to believers. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you failed the test. Well, how do I test myself? Well, it's pretty simple. Has, is anything different now? Is anything changed? The fruits of the Spirit would be an answer to your test. I can't wait till our summer series on the fruits of the Spirit. It's going to be incredible. But do you have, are you producing that fruit? Well, pastor, I'm in church, ain't I? I mean, I'm watching online, aren't I? Listen to me. I grew up in church all my life. Just because I was in church does not mean the church was in me. Does not mean the spirit was in me. I, I, I'm thankful that you're here. I believe you should be here because we are in this together and we are learning together. But that, is, that is, does not indicate that the spirit is in you. You know what does indicate it? Jesus said in John 13, you'll know my disciples by the way they what? By the way they love. Okay, Ooh, wow, that's a pretty broad term, Pastor. I think I'm loving people pretty well. Okay, l l let me drill down a little bit further for you. Do you remember the first thing Jesus said? The first, one of the first scriptures I read to you today? It was John 14, 15. You know, Jesus kind of unpacks what love looks like. If you're thinking, yeah, I, I love Jesus. I'm, I'm probably good. Okay, well, let's see, because I'm testing myself too. Jesus says in John 14, 15, I don't even think this is on the screen, but I'll read it to you. It was earlier. If you love me, you will obey. Got quiet, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, okay, so when I was professing my faith, I had prayed a salvation prayer. I believed that Jesus was the son of God, yet I wasn't obeying a lot of God's word. So do I love Jesus or don't I? Well, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey but Jesus, I love you. Well, Monty, I know you say that, but if you love me, you'll obey. You're not really obeying much of anything. Like, like, Monty, I put together my word, the word of God. 
One book that, that the Holy Spirit ever wrote. Jesus Christ is the word of God. Okay, so let me ask you a question, and I'm asking myself the same question. If the Holy Spirit, who literally penned the word of God through people, wrote one book, a love letter, a guidebook, a roadmap. I love love letter. That is so good. It's so true. If, if the Holy Spirit penned that, and then the Holy Spirit is inside of me, wouldn't the Spirit inside of me who wrote the one book that he ever wrote compel me to read it? I wasn't compelled to read the Word of God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So you're never compelled to read the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit's inside of you. That's what, that was my story, Pastor. That was not, I'm talking to myself. That was my story. I wasn't seeking God. God says, you, you will, with the Holy Spirit in you, you will want more of it. You will want more of God. You know what Jesus did before the Last Supper, before they sat down to eat? You know the story. Some of you, you you've read it. Remember Jesus wraps a towel around his waist? Remember what he does? He grabs a basin of water. What did he do? He washed their feet. He washes the disciples' feet. Then you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I wash feet. Now you wash feet. You know what Jesus was doing in that moment? He was teaching them to serve. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve others. Now, disciples, you go do the same. Okay, you know what I wasn't doing while I was professing my faith? I wasn't serving anybody. I mean, I was serving my, my selfish desires. I was doing what the world does. I wasn't serving inside the church. I wasn't serving outside the church. I wasn't serving. But I love you, God. I love you. If you love me, you'll obey. You're not seeking me through my word. You're not serving. I wrote it down. This is for me, and maybe it resonates with you. The Spirit was not work, at work in me. The Spirit was not at work in me. So when was the last time that you undeniably, you undeniably had the Spirit, saw the Spirit working in you and through you? ask yourself that question. You have to. I have to. I can find the answer. It would take me a long time. Here's how your pastor knows. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. And it's not just because I'm sober. It's not just because that God set me free from a drug addiction. You know why? The number one thing I know that why I can undeniably tell you that the Holy Spirit resides in me and that I'm spirit-filled. <laughs> I'm far from perfect, but I have the Holy Spirit. My giving. It's the number one way. When I started to give back to God, see, my heart isn't a giver. My heart wasn't like, my heart was cheap. My heart is like, no way, I ain't, no. When I started to give back to God, see, the more that I got into word, the more that God's word got into me, the more that it started to change me. And I would start to do these increments, and I do them begrudgingly, but soon I started to give more and give more. And I got into God's word more, and then I learned about what God's word said about tithing and returning 10% back to God. I'm like, God, I can't do that. No way I can do it. And all of a sudden, he got me to, to a point to do it. And it's, it's amazing. And I would try to fight God. Oh, God, you know, that's kind of an Old Testament thing, tithing. What's tithe mean? That's like, could be 1%. And God's like, a tithe literally means 10. Oh, okay, well, whatever. Oh, a tithe could be me praying to you. It could be me, like, like thinking about you or inviting people. That's all part of a tithe. Well, it's really not if you read the word of God. But I would try to justify it. And then finally, I got to the point where, God, do I tithe off the net or the gross? You know, and, and God's like, okay, you're not doing either, so just start somewhere. You know, I just, it's so, but that, that was me. That's where I was. So, and I'm not bragging because I'm not, it's not me. I just told you, it's not me. If you knew my heart, you, again, you would probably run from Meadows Church. My heart by itself. But the spirit, the number one thing I look forward to doing is tithing. It is weird. Like, like, I get excited to get paid so I can immediately go in and return 10% back to God. That is not my heart. That's how I know that there's something in me. Either, either I'm crazy, which that is an option, or 
Something is living in me that's compelling me to do something that I would not otherwise do. This is, it's, and I don't, and it's not, this isn't some, oh, your money. If that's what you, what you hear, I'm sorry you hear that. I'm just telling you how it was for me. But I'm, I'll also tell you this. As we talk about what God wants to do in and through meadows, it is so big. It is so big. And we talk about land and building someday. And here's my thought. And, and by the way, we'll never go in debt with a mortgage. I, I, I'll, I'll never stop telling you that. I want you to hold me to it. You, you can because I'll never stop telling you. I refuse to take out. Never will. Ever. God owns it all. You know what God told me? Monty, everything you need to build, to renovate, whatever I call you to do, it's right in front of you. It's in the church. They're here. They're watching online. Everything you need, you have. And I'm thinking about, do we do, we're, are we going to do a fundraiser? And I don't want to because I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. And it's like, I, I really, this is what I said to myself. If everybody in the church would tithe, we would have enough money to build like that. To buy like that. And ultimately, over time, we would have millions left over to do ministry in Omaha, in the greater Omaha area. We could adopt every school in Sarpy County. It's what we could do. So I just, that's how I knew. I don't know your litmus test. That was me. So, so why are people living a spiritless life? Many don't even have the spirit in them. And they've been deceived by the devil to think that they do. That was me most of my life. Here, here's number two. They, they have the spirit, but they resist him. They're resisting the Holy Spirit. Like, you can do that. Did you know that? You can actually, like, drive him down where you almost, your heart can become hard to the Holy Spirit. So l- listen to scripture. Acts 7.51. So this is, Stephen is saying this. Stephen is the first guy that got killed for his faith in the New Testament. The, the Bible says that Stephen was full of power and, and grace. He didn't, Stephen did miracles, by the way. You, oh, I wish God would still do miracles. He does. He does them all the time. He wants to do miracles through you. He did it through Stephen. So here's Stephen, right before they murder him with rocks called stoning. Stephen says, you stubborn people. You are heathen at heart, deaf to the truth. I'm preaching you truth. You don't want to hear it. I, I, deaf to the truth. You must, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit. That's what your ancestors did. Look what it did for them. And so do you. And moments after that, they'd kill him. I'd say that's resisting the Holy Spirit. So, so I've had somebody ask me, well, how do I know? How do I know if, what, 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 if the Spirit is in me and prompting me and if I'm resisting? Well, it's very simple. Repeat after me. Say, if it's a good thing, it's a ghost thing. If it's a good thing, it's a ghost thing. And it's got to be thang on the ghost. It's just got to be. So I, that's not, God just told me that. So thang, it's a ghost. Thang. If, if God is prompting you to do something good, that's from God. Don't resist that. He put somebody on my heart this week, somebody I hadn't thought about in probably, I suppose, 18 months. I texted this guy, one of the first guys I met when I moved here. I said, I don't know why I'm texting you. I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that I love you. I'm praying for you today. I just lifted you up in prayer, praying for you. He immediately texted me back. He's like, oh my gosh, it's so good to hear from you. Thank you so much. That had to be the spirit because that's it just came on me. So if it's a good thing, it's a ghost thing. Another way to look at it is this. If it's other focused, it's spirit led. If it is other focused, the Holy Spirit will always get you to focus on Jesus and others. Always. The Holy Spirit will always put your attention on Jesus and others. I'll say it a different way. A person full of the Holy Spirit will not be full of themselves. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you won't have bouts of selfishness. You will, but you won't live there. Uh, The person full of the Holy Spirit, they cannot be full of the, there's not room for you and him. 
There's not room for you and him. And the longer you resist the Holy Spirit, I said it earlier, the harder your heart's going to become. And soon you'll be so deceived, you won't even know you're resisting him. It's, it's in God's word. He shows us this. So I, I asked myself, okay, so we, that's how we can indicate if maybe if, if, why so many people are, are living a spiritless life. Now I ask the question, so what does a spirit-filled life look like? What does the spirit do for me? I think I missed one of the main points, actually. Go back to it if she can find it in the slides and I can go back to it because it's huge. It sets up this point. The Holy Spirit is a person. I told you that. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is working for you. He is working with you. And as a believer of Jesus Christ that surrendered to Jesus, he's working in you. This is how crucial he is in your life. The Holy Spirit, he is a person. He is a he. And he is working with you, for you, and he wants to work in you. That's crucial. So, Okay, so let's expound on that. The Holy Spirit, what does he do specifically for me, with me, and in me? I put three things. There's more than this, but let's, let's be honest. We've only had a certain amount of time, and these all start with C, so it's really cool. So the Holy Spirit comforts you, counsels you, and convicts you. That's what he does. That's what he does. He comforts you, he counsels you, he convicts you. He comforts you, he counsels you, he convicts you. How does he comfort you? When you're hurting, he'll walk with you. And you'll know it. I'm walking with a family right now that a, a woman whose daughter has gone through a horrific accident. Laid up in the hospital, lucky to be alive. And I hear her talking about God and talking about going to God. Okay, that's comfort. A, a person in the world who does not have that comfort of the Holy Spirit, they're, they're freaking. They're freaked out. They're, I'm not saying she's not scared. I'm just saying she's, she, there's something comforting her. John 14, again, the Last Supper setting. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Say gift. Mm, this is a precious gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a, as the gift. The, the, the world cannot give that gift. The world can't give it. Only I can give it, Jesus said. So don't be troubled or afraid. The end result of the Holy Spirit's work in your life is deep and lasting peace. Not a peace that the world offers. See, the world says peace is when you don't have conflict. It's when you don't have struggles. It's when things seem to be lining up just right. That's peace. That's not what I'm talking about. See, Jesus' peace isn't based on your circumstances. It's based on Christ. And that's a big difference. With Christ's peace, I wrote it this way. You have no need to fear the present or the future. If I've learned anything over the past 14 months, there is a lot of people who either don't have the spirit or they're heavily resisting the spirit because they don't have peace and they're freaking. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I don't want to judge, but if you were tempted to grab every empty container in your house and run to a gas station this week, okay, uh, number one, you have no friends because that's weird. What, what are you doing? Seriously. I mean, come, you, you're, you're lacking peace and that means you're, you're lacking spirit in some capacity. I'm just being honest. I'm not saying you shouldn't be educated. I'm not saying you shouldn't care about what's happening. You should. But my gosh, when we start freaking out like the world, that's an indicator that we are in the world. We are not in the spirit. Again, it's about being different. So imagine. Imagine this. Well, actually, let me do this first. So we talked about comforting you. Say comfort. Now say counsel. So he counsels you. John 16, 13, same setting, Last Supper. When the spirit of truth comes, Jesus said, he will guide you, guide you into all truth. 
He counsels you. He walks alongside you, parakletos. Now imagine, again, imagine right now what it'd be like standing next to Jesus in the flesh. He's your personal counselor. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like Jesus kind of hangs out with you everywhere you go. Ava, when you're taking a math test and you're at school and you're like, ah, is it C or D? And Jesus is like, it's C. I, I don't know if he'd talk like that, but he, that's more like Mickey Mouse actually. But anyway, so... Wouldn't that be cool? Your own personal Jesus right next to you right here? Just talking to you like that? Uh, being your friend? I mean, that would be awesome. So I wrote down. So think of the peace you would have knowing that you have this personal counselor with you, this guide counseling you. Everything. See, I don't know about you, but I've had bad counseling. I have. Like, like, <laughs> sometimes I debate if I should tell you stuff, but let's do it. Um, so, so one time I had to get a lawyer. He was not good representation. This is good representation. Whoops. This is good representation. He was not. I remember his name, Gary. Gary, I, I know your last name too, Gary. I'd call you out, but I have the Holy Spirit in me, so I won't do it. So, but Gary, I put 500 bucks down to Gary. Never met him before, just called him. Got, got him through the yellow pages. You know, now, kids, the yellow pages, <laughs> that's like Google on paper. So anyway, so... I got him through the yellow pages, and, and Gary looked like, you know, whatever. I never met him, but he was 500 bucks, and the other guys were more expensive. So I'm like, hey, here's what's going on, and, and here's what I want to get these charges reduced. And you're probably wondering, well, pastor, what were the charges? Never mind, okay? Don't worry about it. So Jesus, if Jesus wanted you to know, he'd tell you. He's right here. So, um, but I wanted him reduced. So I hired Gary on, never met him. Court date comes. I'm, I'm standing in the hallway. The, the, the judge is actually standing there because she, she was asking me, do you have representation? And I was like, well, I'm supposed to have representation because the court, the, the time was, I mean, he should have been there by now and he wasn't there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't good. So here's the scene. And this is a true story. Gary, about two minutes later, comes like almost running in the courthouse, tucking in his shirt, combing his hair. My first thought is, did you sleep in your freaking car? Seriously. This, and my second thought was, I'm screwed. Okay. And I was. It totally, it was horrible. So he gets in there and we talk about it a little bit. And finally the, the, the judge says, she says, well, you can't reduce it based on this. And I'm like, so, so nothing could have been done anyway? She said, no. And I'm like, Gary, why didn't you, like, why didn't you tell me that you could, there's nothing you could have done? Oh, I know why, because you're in cahoots with the devil. That's why, that's what I thought. I'm like, seriously? So anyway, I've had bad representation. The Holy Spirit is the opposite of bad representation. He is good representation. He's so good. He's so good. He comforts you. He counsels you. And the third one, he convicts you. And that's actually a beautiful thing. And another reason I knew that I was spiritless is because I didn't feel much conviction. When I would do things that wasn't obedient to God, I mean, I didn't feel maybe great about it sometimes, but I wasn't convicted. He'll convict you. Can I give you scripture? I think it's always good to have some scripture in church. John 16, 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Oh, there's a judgment that is coming. But if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have nothing to fear. Nothing. We're, we're reading Revelation right now with a group I'm in. It is a, if you're not saved, it is one of the freakiest things I've ever read in my life. Like I, 
That would scare me straight, I think. But when you're saved, it is such a love letter. The Holy Spirit convicts, he comforts, he counsels. Can I sum it up? The Holy Spirit changes you. If the Holy Spirit hasn't changed you, then Jesus Christ hasn't saved you. I don't know how else to say it. In Acts 1.8, this is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He's getting ready to ascend up to the Father in heaven. Here's what he says. But you will receive power, disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. This is why there's invite cards on every chair. If you're spirit-filled, and you're never compelled to share your faith, you're never compelled to like tell anybody what Jesus has done in you, you're never compelled to invite anybody, you're probably not spirit-filled. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You'll be my witnesses, disciples, telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. These disciples he's talking to, they're the same disciples that when Jesus was arrested, they scattered. But now, now they're the disciples that are actually going to be the first church and push back the gates of hell. How is that possible? Because they had the power of the Holy Spirit and it changed them. It radically changed them. Did you know that today is Pentecost? Talk about God's timing. Pentecost, if you don't know, that's when the Holy Spirit came in the New Testament. That's when it came not to just be with them, but to be in them. It's the birth of the first church. It's today. God's timing. Penta. That's five, right? So 50 days, seven weeks after Easter is when the Holy Spirit came. Acts 2-4. This is how it happened, by the way. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers... We're meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. It looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, literally settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit, listen to me, the Holy Spirit has been, has been with us from the very beginning. We read it in Genesis. But on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit went from being with us as believers to being in us. Now, do you know what's better than Jesus Christ with you? Jesus Christ in you. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have life. I want that life, you should too. Spirit-filled life. We want it. God, I want to know. I want to examine my faith. I want that. That's power. But all the power in the world is meaningless. It's meaningless unless you access it, unless you utilize it. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. After that last supper, he was arrested. He was tried. He was put on a cross, and he was killed. True story for you and for me. 
He bleeds on the cross. He dies on the cross. He doesn't stay on the cross because he was taken down from the cross. And he was put in a tomb. And what separates our faith, Christianity, from every other... Well, how do I know? There's so many religions. There's so many denominations. There's so many beliefs. Here's how you know. See, we believe one thing that most others do not believe. That is that on the third day, Jesus Christ, who was dead in the tomb, on the third day, that same Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brought himself back to life. And because he's alive, that's why we believe what we believe. And because of that, we get access to the Holy Spirit, to resurrection power. Resurrection power. That should excite somebody. That is power that flowed from a bloodstained cross. That is power that flowed from an empty tomb. That is power that wants to flow into you. How can I pray that salvation prayer, Pastor, and still not have the spirits? You said that happened to you. You know how? It didn't happen to me. There was no repentance. That's part of salvation. Did you know that? When Peter preached the first message after the Holy Spirit came, they said, what do we do? First thing he said, repent. He didn't say, pray the salvation prayer, then you're good. That's not what he said. He said, repent. Well, what's repent? Turn. You have to actively cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you're resisting, right? What, what do you need to repent from? What do you need to turn from? For me, it was so many things. I, don't, I, have, I had such a long list. My God, we don't have that kind of time. Jesus Christ died for you. Somebody online, if you believe it and you want to repent and you want to start a new life, spirit-filled type, I choose Jesus in the comments right now. I will follow up. We will follow up. And we will walk with you and love you and point you to more scripture so you know that you know that you know. If you're in the room today, you know how to indicate it on a card. Let us know so we can love you and walk with you. But what do you need to repent from? You can't just say, I'm good to go. I'll pray to prayer and then live your same life. There is no change in that. Everything is not different now. That's, I, I get so passionate about it because it was me. And I know that the devil, I mean, most of our nation believes. They, they, they would say that I'm, I'm spirit-filled. I'm born again. They're claiming it. Here's what I wrote. They're, they're, they're saying they're born again, declaring everything is different now, but yet... An unbelieving world sees that and they're like, you don't look any different than we do. You don't act any different. You're, you're hypocritical. So then, so then the church looks bad. Worse yet, their integrity looks bad. Worse yet, God looks bad. Can't even blame them. Jesus Christ died for you. He died for you. He did not die that you would live a spiritless life. I'll just say it. Jesus Christ did not die that you would live a spiritless life. Jesus Christ died so that you might live a spirit-driven, a spirit-empowered, a spirit-filled, a spirit-led life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for you today, now. I want to invite the prayer team to come up. There is no closing song. There's closing music. This is the closing. Prayer team, if you're here, yeah, come on up. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask some of you to, all of you, if I, if, if I had my way, it'd be all of you, to come and pray with somebody today. Whether it's back in the prayer room, more private, 
or up here during this final music just playing but we're not singing and we're just going to get a lot of time for the Holy Spirit to work in you I'm asking are you spirit filled if you don't know come pray if you do know come pray I'm going to pray for you and I'll, and I'll just I, I, my heart the reason God called me to be a pastor is this he said Monty there's many people like you they're, they think they're on the road that leads to life, but they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They're deceived by the evil one. That's all he does. I want you to know. I, I want you to ask yourself, am I different? Am I in the Word? Am I even compelled to read the Word of God? If you're not even compelled, I love you. It's okay. I want you to know that. I'm not judging you. God, I pray that you know that. That is an indicator. You're not serving in any capacity and you don't want to? It's your time. It's your weekend. It's your thing. Thank God you know that. Praise God you know that. But that's an indicator that the Spirit, something's missing. Giving. I'm not afraid to say it because Jesus talked about it more than anything else. And if you ever think, God, pastor just wants my money, you don't know your pastor. You don't know your pastor. I could give a rip about money. I, God, I pray God has your heart. When he has your heart, it'll all flow. Trust me inviting if you haven't shared your faith with anybody in the last year i thank god you're here i thank god you're watching that is an indicator that there's a something is amiss jesus said it share it go tell the world and they did it why they were so packed full of the holy spirit i don't want to play church with you i want you to know that you're that you're his and that i want you to use your gifts your talents your money whatever because none of it's ours anyway Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. I, uh, boy, this is a personal message. I, I guess, uh, God, I, I, I know that your Holy Spirit is moving. Boy, do we know that. We just read all about it. God, I pray right now that people are feeling comforted, that they're feeling like they have counsel, they have a guide, and they're, they're feeling conviction. If it wasn't for my conviction, I would have never repented. Ever. Ever. God, Holy Spirit, speaking directly to you. You are God. You are, you are a person. You want to walk with us. You want to walk with us. You want to walk beside us. You want to be in us. God, I pray that people will flood the prayer area. I pray that people will flood the prayer room. I pray that they'll pray in the rows that they want to pray in the rows. I don't care who they pray with, that they won't leave until they pray with somebody. And God, for the people that need to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believe that you, you sent him, that he died and rose, and they want to repent and turn from the ways that they know are wrong. God, I pray they do it today. I pray they don't leave until they know it's a done deal. I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you for that power. I thank you for that truth. Thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. What's better than you in one place? You in all places. That's the Holy Spirit. We give you glory. We thank you. And we believe it. We declare it. And we know it. In you, God, the best is yet to come. Church, if you believe that, would you give God just one quick round of applause? Give him praise because you love him. Give him praise because he's good. Give him praise because his Holy Spirit is with you. Now let the, let the prayer team pray with you. You might want to pray by yourself for just a minute. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. But don't leave here until you get what you need through the power of prayer in Jesus' name.
Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.